0: you're listening to the sermon podcast from real life church Pullman reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time hey uh, my name's Gary I'm delighted to be up front and sharing a message the week before Christmas with y'all before I uh, get started I had to read something um (laughs) My wife and I, Judy, we have seven grandchildren, and uh, we have a seven- and five-year-old granddaughters. And uh, just about a week ago, here's a little interaction. They, uh, they live in California, and uh, our uh, granddaughter, Blake, said, the, said this the other day. Uh, this is her mom telling us the story. I had asked her to get a few deliveries from the front porch. Uh, I said, I didn't want them to get taken. She said, why would somebody take packages? I said, it's just that time of year when people steal stuff from people's doorsteps. True enough. She said, it's Christmas. Why would people do that? I said, I know. Isn't it crazy? Uh, She said, aren't people afraid of getting coal in their stockings? (laughs) I said, "Uh, I guess not. Uh, She sat and thought for a couple of minutes and then... And then said, You know, Mom, I'm not sure I believe in this Santa thing anymore. I said, Wait, what? What do you mean? She said, Well, Peyton has never gotten coal and she's always naughty. <laughs> uh, I figured that was a good intro for the week before Christmas. Uh, might actually refer to that later, believe it or not. It might fit into my messenger a little bit. Uh, but hey, uh, <clears throat> What is this week before Christmas like for you? I'm sure you're all calm, mellow. <laughs> this is always the most stressful time. Another you know, week just before Christmas. You're still finishing your shopping. You're maybe you're sending out Christmas cards. Maybe you're getting ready to leave town. There's so much to do, wrapping presents, and that can rob us a bit of the joy of Christmas. Um, so it's probably a good thing that we are talking about the best Christmas ever and the gifts that God gives us during this time maybe it's appropriate that uh, this week before Christmas we're reminded that we can experience those things even in uh, even in time of of turmoil so we're talking about four gifts uh, hope peace joy and love and one of the things that I find interesting is how interrelated they are I want to start with this verse that may be a, a wrap-up verse if you will or uh, contains all of this message. But Romans fifteen thirteen says this. This is Paul toward the end of his message to the Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I love that. Um, let me read it again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. There's so much in there that kind of contains a lot of what we've talked about Uh, we're gonna use the common thread if you will each week we're kind of reflecting on mary's song and talking about how these gifts uh, how she experienced received these gifts and how we in turn might uh, consider us experiencing these gifts Uh, it is hard to not be a little repetitive there's common (laughs) themes going through here: how we experience these gifts but hey, repetition's okay. We need repetition sometimes, just to uh, remind us. Uh, well, today we're looking at joy. Joy is the uh, word for the day. And uh, let's see if we can pull some things out of this word joy. Uh, it's an interesting word. It's not a word we use commonly today. Uh, we don't go around and say, hey, joy to you. Um, but we do use the word happy. It's probably the closest word we have. Uh, and we use it a lot. Uh, just pulled out happy holidays. We say that a lot. We don't say joyful holidays too often, but we do say happy holidays. We say things like, don't worry, be happy. Thanks, Bob Marley, kind of philosophy for life. Just be happy. Uh, that's one way to look at it. Uh, third, this is one of my favorites. In Africa, this is a big one. Happy wife, happy life. There you go. Seen it on shop fronts. I have a picture I should have showed you. There's I think it was in Zanzibar, this guy's just sitting in his shop, and there's a sign right next to him. It's like he's, he's open for business. Happy wife, happy life. There it is. Well, it's, it's easy to kind of interchange those two words, happy and joy, but, but they're very different. Uh, that's what we want to look at. How is that different? Uh, well, happy is a temporary, temporary emotion of, of gladness, uh, the things we think about, feeling good, gladness, happy, but it's temporary. Joy is more... Is deeper. It's long-lasting. It's more satisfying. Kind of denotes uh, assurance or complete, uh, completion. Um, it's a it's a deeper sense of happy. Happy's kind of the the minor league of what it means to have joy. Um, I don't know if you've used this phrase. I certainly have. Hear it a lot in relationships. It's used a lot. I just want you to be happy. Uh, anybody ever heard that, used that one? Uh, certainly with our kids, it's kind of a a thought, I just want my kids to be happy. Uh, and it, interesting because it's it's almost like in this world, in this culture, that's kind of the end goal, the highest hope, is that our we could be happy. Where I think God has something more for us. And that's what joy kind of contains, is something deeper, something beyond just being happy. Um, so... Uh, a couple other things. Um, by the way, it's also true of, uh, we talked about it last week, that peace is like that. Jesus one time said, peace I give you, not as the world gives, but I give you peace from me. I'm the prince of peace. I give you peace that lasts, that's enduring. Um, and we'll probably discover the same thing about love. It's a deeper sense than what we can gain from this world. Uh, <clears throat> so happiness also kind of depends on circumstances. Uh, Something you experience in the environment uh, that's, that's conducive to being happy. You don't often are, are happy in negative situations. Um, <laughs> but uh, joy does not depend on circumstances. Uh, we're going to look at that. It's certainly true in Mary's story. We'll get to that in a second. But, but joy does not depend on circumstances. Uh, happiness you can create. Happiness is something that you can, you can make yourself happy, laugh, tell a joke, maybe an accomplishment, my Seahawks won, I'm happy. Uh, Maybe you run a race or uh, finish finals, anybody in that? I'm happy, I'm done with finals, makes me happy. Um, But uh, joy cannot be created. Um, One of the great things about joy is it's not something, uh, happiness is external, joy is internal, it's a gift. something we get, we get to experience, but in the right situations. So that's what we want to focus on today. We're going to talk about how do we receive or experience joy uh, in our lives. Um, It's a great topic. Well, we just sang the first song today was Joy to the World, kind of one of the more classic Christmas songs. And it's almost as if, hey, Christmas is about the baby Jesus being born. Now we have joy. And if you remember the angels, when they spoke to the shepherds in the field, do you remember what they said? Behold. We bring you good news of great joy. Uh, here, the baby Jesus is coming. Now, there's joy in the world. So everybody's now joyful, correct? I mean, Jesus came. There's joy. Uh, not quite that simple. Um, in fact, we're gonna we're gonna talk about. Uh, it depends on. I'm gonna suggest it depends on our response to the baby being born on Christmas Day. That will determine whether or not we experience joy that comes from. Him uh, So I'm going to talk about three ways we can respond and experience joy. Number one, it comes with acceptance or trust, belief. Uh, Mary is a, is a perfect example of that. I think we've touched on it already, but let's look at um, four verses of her song again, Luke 1:46 to 49. And Mary said, "My soul glorifies the Lord." My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. Now, if you're paying attention, you probably noticed the word joy isn't appear in there in those four verses, but the word rejoice does, and rejoice is really the expression of joy. If you are experiencing joy, you rejoice. That's how you. Express your joy. That's what Mary is doing. Mary is experiencing joy, and this song is a reflection, this rejoicing uh, to God in return. Um, <laughs> Notice that Mary didn't experience joy in the message. The message wasn't joyful. It's not like, oh, that is such great news. In fact, let's look at that again real quick. Um, Luke 1, 29, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. In her response, she was greatly troubled at his words. Wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. She's confused. She's troubled. Why? I mean, it was a simple message. Uh, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. But Mary kind of knows that she's her life station. She's not reached this pinnacle. She's 14 or so years old, just a teenager. She's betrothed to be married, but Very poor, lives in Nazareth. It's like, nothing in my life would say that I am highly favored. Um, So she's confused. She wants to know, what does this mean? Um, So the angel goes on. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. (laughs) You might... Almost adding more confusion to this. Well, now you're telling me I'm going to be I'm going to be pregnant and I'm going to give birth to what? A descendant of David? He'll rule on the throne. This could give you lots of anxiety as a 14 year old girl. Um, Yeah. In her response to that, how can this be? Almost to say that that's not possible. I'm I'm still a virgin. I'm not even pregnant. And the angel continues. The Holy Spirit will come on you. That will give you great joy (laughs) and peace. (laughs) And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Well, there was the message. And it wasn't the message, but it was at the end of all of that message, Mary considered And it was her belief and acceptance of the message that gave her joy. When she realized that, oh my gosh, I need to trust that what God is telling me is true. She says, uh, verse 38, the next verse, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She didn't have answers. She's still probably wondering, confused. Nothing has changed, except that she has now said, I accept what you, I believe and trust what you're telling me. And the the narration she's getting is pretty amazing, but it it requires her to to kind of step into the story that God's writing. God's saying, here's what I'm going to do. You're going to be a part of this. Not, here's what I want you to do. No, no, here's what I'm doing. And Mary's accepting that and saying, I'm I'm your servant. I will be what you want me to be. Um, So that was the first expression um in fact notice in verse 49 too this is right then this is actually uh uh says for the mighty one has done great things for me holy is his name he hasn't done anything yet she still has just heard the message but she has joy in what god is going to do even in the midst of her circumstances which aren't all that great and even what he's telling her is like it's going to get worse Now I'm going to be shunned by my family because I'm pregnant. We're not married yet, blah, blah, blah. She goes through all this, and we know the story. She ends up in Jerusalem. She's rejected really by her family. I think that's truly what the words, uh, there's no room in the inn for them, really meant there was no room in her family compound for her. Uh, I think that's why they ended up being out, giving birth in the field. But she still has joy, not because of circumstances, but because she trusts what God says. Um, <clears throat> in fact, I think, here's part of my conclusion here, is that I think in some ways, conflict, tension, trials are necessary for us to experience these gifts of Christmas. Uh, we talked about it the first week with Hope. Um, Kelly gave the great analogy of the rope tense. I think Corbin continued that. Why not? I'll do it a third time. <clears throat> the idea that when it's, when the tension is there, that's when we, it generates hope. You know, if everything is going great, we're not in negative circumstances or situations, it doesn't, it doesn't elicit great hope. But what's there to hope for? But when God is telling us something and we're having to face whether or not we trust him or not, uh, that tension is what creates hope. Uh, peace is the same way. I just said, you know, there's a worldly peace and a peace that God gives uh, Peace in the world is the lack of conflict. As long as there's no conflict, you can have peace. But God has a different formula. Uh, God says, I have a peace that you can have even in the midst of conflict, even in the midst of trials, negative situations. You can have peace. Uh, James said this, James 1, 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy. You've probably read this and said this makes no sense before. <clears throat> Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. Probably the first, I don't know, 50 times I read that, I said, that's not true. <laughs> because I just had a hard time equating those. How can you, how can you consider it joy when I'm going through... The, what I'm going through. It's not what I'm going through. It's what God wants to do in me through what I'm going through. If we trust God and trust the story like Mary did, if we want to be a part of what God's doing and trust that his word is going to be fulfilled in me, and even in the trials, even in the tough times, we can say, I rejoice in God because he's doing a work in me. I know, I trust that whatever I'm going through, he's going to make something good. Paul said all things work together for good for those that love God, walk according to his plan. Even the negative things work together for good. You can have joy in the midst of any of those situations. Well, so that's number one. Joy comes from acceptance, belief, trust. The second one, uh, really critical, is joy is a gift. Joy is a gift that comes as a result of relationship. Relationship with God, with Jesus, and with, with others. Um, Last month, we did the series on First John, and I just kind of reflected on that a little bit as I was looking at this. And here's how John starts out, the very beginning of First John, just a little review, but it ties into this so well. He said this, First John 1, 3-4, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. I mean, it's kind of like, hey, the baby Jesus has come. We've experienced him. We know that he's God in the flesh. And that has led to relationship. That's why he came. He, he came in the flesh that we might have relationship so that we can experience joy with the Father. Uh, that's his goal for us. Uh, the world may be, I want. I just want you to be happy. Jesus would say, I want to." I want you to be completely full of joy, a longer-lasting, satisfying sense of purpose and, and goodness uh, for your life. That's, that's his goal. Um, well, it, it is a gift as well. Um, familiar with Galatians 5.22 is a list of the gifts of the Spirit. Um, and it starts out, what are the first three? The gifts of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Uh, but the first three are love, joy, peace. <laughs> there they are, the gifts that God gives us. And it's a gift to us. It's not something we get. It's not something we try to display to God. It's, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Literally, it means, if the fruit of the Spirit means, those are the characteristics of Jesus. When we're in relationship with him, we will start to uh, express or bear the fruit of his character. We'll become more loving peaceful joyful so it's a result of relationship with him connection with him he goes on john 15:5 one of the last times with his disciples jesus said i am the vine you are the branches if you abide in me if you stick with me if we stay together and i am in you this relationship you will bear much fruit you will become joyful you will be ha- you will have peace you will know what it means to love because it's I am the author. I'm the one who gives you those things as a result of relationship. Uh, I was reflecting on COVID, which, by the way, kind of astounding. This may It's been almost four years. Can you believe that? When we first kind of had the base COVID and all the uncertainty, what's going to happen. But it's fascinating to me uh, what the result of COVID has been. You know, probably that first year and a half, uh, all the lockdowns, all the face-to-face stuff that was gone. Uh, we were one of the churches that stayed open. We wanted to be face-to-face. But for most of the world, COVID meant no more face-to-face relationships. What was the result of that? Well, we're, we're seeing that in college, particularly in the younger uh, crowd, high school, college age, a much higher uh, incidence of depression, anxiety, sorrow, melancholy, discouragement. Um, you know, we kind of think, yeah, it's a, it is so true. I mean, the college campus—that's there's the suicide rate, the anxiety, the it, it's it's rampant, it's epidemic. We've replaced an, a health epidemic with a mental epidemic, and it, it's just fascinating to me that the reason why is that it's because we lost face-to-face relationships. COVID robbed us of relationships, which robbed us of joy. Which kind of just confirms that you know if we don't have relationships as God talks about, we're not going to have joy. And in the same way, if we don't have a relationship with God, we're not going to be able to experience the kind of joy He wants for us in our life. Um, on the converse side, if we have relationship with God and we have fellowship with one another, it will take care of a lot of that anxiety, all of that. Uh, The negative things. I I just found it fascinating. By the way, those words I put down there, depression, anxiety, sorrow, I just looked it up in the dictionary. What's the opposite of joy? That's what I googled. And those are the words that came up. Is there a connection? I think there might be. Um, So joy is found in relationship. Relationship with God, first of all, but also with each other. That fellowship gives us a sense of joy that we want to share, that God wants to share with us. Um, And then finally, lastly, uh, joy comes through surrender. Not something we talk about much, but uh, there's an interesting connection there. Joy comes through surrender. Back to the song Joy to the World, which we sang together. Um, Some of the words in there, let me just repeat them. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Not just the baby Jesus. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. (laughs) There's a theme here. It's more about our response to the baby Jesus than it is to just Jesus coming, what that means. It says the Savior reigns. He rules the world with truth and peace, truth and grace. Well, Christmas is not just about the coming of the Savior, but also the coming of God in the flesh, the coming of the King, that kind of elicits response. What are we going to do about that part of it? Um, you know, we're talking about Emmanuel, God with us. The incarnation means not just that this messenger of God has come to give us good news, but God himself, God in the flesh is here. Well, if you remember the story with Herod, the wise men came to him and said, hey, where is this king that was born? We've been following this star. We want to worship this king. Where can we find him? And Herod freaks out because, wait, I'm, I'm king. I'm king, I'm not, that, that king is a threat to me. I will destroy that king. And he did, he massacred all the babies around, in and around uh, Bethlehem, two years and younger, to try to eliminate this threat to his kingdom. You know, if the wise men would have come and said, hey, we've been following this star, and we, we believe that there's a messenger coming to tell us good news about God. Um, it's going to do great things among people, give them hope. Herod might have said, hey, I'll go follow I'm into that. All of the other things that Jesus was about, I, Yes, but king? no way. Uh, even in Jesus' ministry, you know he was followed by thousands and thousands and thousands. People loved his words. they loved the fact that he healed. He did all these great things. But the tide started to turn when Jesus became uh, more clear about, "I am actually God in the flesh, I am the king." I am the Lord. Uh, then the religious people turned against him, even the people, even his own family. There was a part where they said, what is he saying? He's crazy. They went to go talk to him. Because What are you talking about? You're, you're God in the flesh. Because even them, they, they didn't, Mary didn't quite catch that one, I don't think. She was included in that. His mother and brothers and sisters thought he was crazy, went to go talk to him, went to go straighten it out. But no, he's ultimately... He is baby Jesus, and he has brought us all sorts of things, but he 's also king, a king of the universe uh, that 's the relationship that part of the relationship he wants to have with us. Uh, my fear is is that we 've taken the King out of Christmas uh, and made Jesus more like Santa Claus than the King. Jesus is someone who brings us great things at Christmas time as long as we 're good. As long as we're not naughty, they don't bring us a coal. Um, kind of interesting to reflect on how our culture has substituted those two things. We don't really; The culture doesn't talk about Jesus as the, the king that's come. But they do talk about him as oh, joy to the world, and he's, he's given us all these good things, if, if we're good. Um, it's just a weird message that is associated with Christmas, <laughs> this Santa Claus mentality about who God and who Jesus is. But... Uh, so I'm just going to suggest, uh, as we kind of conclude here, that uh, a relationship with God is not just believing in Jesus as our Savior, not just believing in Jesus as the one who died to forgive us our sins, but as king that requires submission, king that requires that we commit to him as king. Um, here's what Jesus said Matthew 16:24. Anyone who wants to be my disciple, let him deny himself. Let them deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. See, to follow me isn't just saying, hey, I love what you have for me. Uh, as I left high school and gave my life to Christ, it was re- truly a commitment of to Jesus as Savior in my life. That's not, King, I got a college to worry about. I got priorities to set. I got a, relationships to build. I'll accept you totally as my Savior. But there's a kingship involved here. Uh, And lest we forget it, Jesus was very familiar with surrender. Jesus came fully God, fully human. He was one of us. He had to experience what it meant to surrender to the Father, too. He wasn't immune from that. As human, as one of us, he had to engage in that. On the most pivotal night of his life, in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating, sweat drops of blood, he cried out to God, his Father, He said, uh, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me and then surrender. Yet, but not my will, but yours be done. Even Jesus had to reach that point. I would rather do something else here, but I'm going to trust what we set out to do. Uh, Not my will, not what I would prefer, but yours uh, for the sake of relationship. And then... uh, (laughs) I'm not sure what, it, what we uh, have thought about how much it cost Jesus to have that relationship with us. It's uh, not just about, hey, what's, what's it mean for us to be in relationship with him? But have we stopped and thought, what does it cost him to be in relationship with us? And I love this verse, Hebrews 12.2 says this, for the, joy, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God Uh, for the joy set before him. Friends, I I think we're the joy set before him. What did it cost him? It's cost him everything so that he could have relationship with us, so that he could have joy, so that he could give that joy to us. That was his motivation. Um, There's a parable Jesus told about the treasure in the field. You probably heard it. And I you know, I've kind of gone back and forth. There's kind of two ways you can look at this story. Let me read it and then I'll... <coughs> today I was kind of joyful thinking, well actually earlier this week, not just today, uh, but thinking both are probably true. This is both pertains to Jesus and to us. Here's the, here's the parable. It's only one verse. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy he went and sold all that he had and bought the field. You know, I think most people translate that as you know we're the um, we're like the man who found a treasure oh jesus the kingdom of god salvation hidden in a field i'm going to sell all i'm going to give up everything i can to, to have that treasure that would be my motivation but a number of years ago i heard it translated differently i heard it said jesus is the one who came as man to the earth to the field is kind of the analogy that the bible uses he sees this treasure buried in this, in this world. We're his treasure. And his response to that, I'm going to cost me everything, but I'm going to buy that field so that I can have that, so that I can have a relationship. Um, I don't know if you saw this part, the end of that verse, and then in his joy went out and bought that field. cost him everything to buy the field so that he could have us. Uh, That's that's really the message of Christmas. It's as much about not just the Savior and the King coming, but what it cost the King in order to have a relationship with us. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.